plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. We hope you will be with us with grace today. Welcome to our informational playground. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're brought to the airwaves under the SBCs of Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. I'm very excited for today's show because coming up in a segment two, you'll be meeting an animal intuitive, Lynn McKenzie, with her book, Bark, Nay, Meow. And we will really find out how we can be transformed through our connection with our animal friends. In segment three, if you love to read, you can take inspiration from some of your favorite books, especially those for kids, to create a garden based on a story from like the tale of Peter Rabbit to a Harry Potter garden. I am going to uh, show you some ideas to increase literacy and make reading and gardening fun. But right now, in segment one, we will be talking about May flowers. But the miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. If you'd like to get involved or make a donation, keep our shows on the air, help with disaster relief, and help all women, young people, and families be empowered, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this is a Yiddish proverb. A wise man hears one word and understands two. Well, that does sound rather wise to me. Well, Claude Monet said, my garden is my most beautiful work of art. And we've all heard that adage, April showers bring May flowers. Well, we have the flowers this year, but April precipitation here in California really did not materialize. 2021 is lining up to be the third driest year in the history of California. And that means that we must be more diligent than ever to prepare our properties for a season of increased wildfires. Now, I have been weeding my property with every spare minute that I have since February, and it is really essential to pull the weeds out by the roots, else they will return properly, and then you have to do it all over again. This is actually round four for me now, and the resulting garden is looking pretty beautiful. I've been experimenting with mixing flowers of iridescent pinks with buttery yellows and pumpkin orange, accented by sky blue and a very bold royal purple. The palette has taken on a very impressionistic essence of which I think Monet could be proud. 
Now, May and has always been one of my favorite months because of the plethora of blooms, the birds, and the fragrances. The perfume of the jasmine permeates the morning air and the evening air. The lilac scents the afternoon sunshine, and the wisteria and mock orange infuse the evening with just such glorious aromas. My two thornless lady banksia rose bushes with their profusion of creamy, double-petaled flowers they have commandeered nearly 30 linear feet of a fence, and they've also twined up to the tops of a plum tree and a chestnut tree. Now, my flowering cherry tree showcases these big, puffy blossoms that resemble uh, really big pink snowballs. It's actually one of my favorite trees in the garden, even though the blossoms don't last that long. And the mock orange tree's white blooms are just candy for the bees. You just hear the buzzing all day long. The cerise flowers of the western redwood tree offer a gorgeous contrast to the unfurling green leaves of the honey locusts. And under a canopy of pines and surrounded by white calla lilies and lacy hemlock is a New Zealand hawthorn, and it brightens the verdant scene with clouds of blush blooms. Bearded irises in a variety of colors are delicate and fragrant. And of course, I have a profusion of azaleas and camellias and rhododendrons uh, that are thriving in the shadow of the redwoods. Freesias, tulips, daffodils, calendulas, and anemones continue their carnival of blooms. And despite the lack of rain, the spring display is actually splendor near the grass. <laughs> In many parts of our country, people wait until after Mother's Day to start planting their vegetables. But because of the warmth of this season, I advise you, if you live in California, Arizona, New Mexico, or a warm area, to get started, you know, anytime now. Children love getting involved with planting vegetables and herbs, and that'll encourage them to eat what they plant. And, you know, after researchers spent time with children in central Texas who had gardens and gardening classes at their schools, they discovered that the nutrition of both the parents and the children improved. And also, those who participated started eating more vegetables. So get your kids or grandkids involved. Now, if you are planting a vegetable patch, buy pint or quart-sized containers of your favorite veggies. Don't attempt to plant everything you see at the nursery. Only plant what you and your family love. For example, for my spring veggie garden, I have planted nine varieties of tomatoes as I really am a tomato snob. I only eat tomatoes in season. I prefer only tomatoes that either I, a friend, or a family member grow. I also planted eggplant, zucchini, cucumbers, and peppers. And already growing are a plethora of herbs, including basil, oregano, fennel, sage, thyme, dill, cilantro, as well as many leafy greens like arugula and sorrel and lettuce. And, and then I have sugar snap peas. I have artichokes, onions, chives, strawberries, and broccoli. So make sure that you rotate your crops from year to year so as not to deplete the soil. And most summer vegetables require a minimum of six hours of sunlight. So I have a few instructions um, that I think that you should follow. And just make sure that you read the plant instructions when you buy a plant. Another um, beautiful, long flowering and excellent fresh cut for arrangements is the dahlia. And although they are supposed to be deer resistant, the deer that graze my property seem to find them just 
absolutely delicious. So I don't advise dahlias to be planted in areas where you have marauders, but dahlias produce large, colorful blooms. Some are as big as dinner plates, and they're a welcome addition to any garden. Now, here's how you can get them started in your landscape. First, choose a well-drained area with plenty of sunlight. Next, plant the tubers after the danger of all frost has passed. Dig a hole about a foot deep and amend with compost or potting soil. And then place the tuber flat and cover with the amended soil. Don't be tempted to put it in kind of like a spear. You have to place it flat. Match a, I mean, make a patch of dahlia space about 12 to 36 inches apart for maximum impact. And then water immediately and deeply. Now, after sprouting, You have to pinch off the side buds, and that's going to allow the central blowers and central blooms to be larger. Uh, Don't be afraid to pinch it. Deadhead as flowers fade to maintain the blooming. Now, because of the arid times in which we are living, make sure to cut all tall, wild grasses, trim limbs up from the ground 6 to 10 feet to prevent fire laddering and clear a safety zone around your home. Again, California is doomed for more fires. Clean out your gutters, remove debris, and be cautious when barbecuing and be careful around your fire pit. Keep gardens irrigated, water early in the morning or Early in the evening, be very diligent and responsible to help prevent a fire from igniting. And I'm still praying for rain, although I have to get prepared for drought. Now, Mother's Day is approaching, and a welcome gift for mom can always be found in the garden. You could consider a bubbling fountain, a birdhouse, a colorful annuals to plant, or just make some simple arrangement using flowers from the garden, maybe accompanied by a garden book that will be treasured always. And whatever you do, let your mom know how much she means to you, whether it is through a virtual visit or an in-person brunch, picnic, or walk especially if you've been vaccinated. Now, moms love the little remembrances and deserve accolades at least once a year. So spring is the time to savor the beauty surrounding you. And if you've ever been to Giverny in France, you will know that Monet was not exaggerating about his garden being his most beautiful work of art. He was inspired by nature, and you can be too. So be an artist and create your masterpiece in your own personal garden. So happy gardening, happy growing, and happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. We're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we will be talking with Lynn McKenzie, and we'll be talking all about her book, Bark, Nay, Meow. (laughs) Meow. I guess I should go, woof, woof, nay, meow. (laughs) I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back, and you please stay with us. Be the star you are. The star you Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. 
lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryant, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Some people talk to animals. Not many listen, though. That's the problem. A.A. Milne said that. Hello again. It's Cynthia Bryan. We're back. And with me now is animal intuitive Lynn McKenzie. She has written a book called Bark, Nay, and Meow. And she is an expert in the animal intuitive and energy healing fields. And she's had over 30 years of experience and provided training and consultations for over 100,000 clients. That is a lot of people. She offers various programs relating to animal communication, healing, spiritual growth, and personal transformation, even psychic development, clairvoyance, and chakra healing. Welcome to the show, Lynn McKenzie. Thank you so much, Cynthia. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I'm, I am really excited because as Listeners who've been with me a long time know I am such an animal aficionado. I have been adopting, abandoned, and abused animals since I was a little child. And I think that animals and I just get along, you know, splendidly. But it's very exciting to meet an animal intuitive. So why don't you, I know there's animal communicators, you know, animal whisperers, blah, blah. Why don't you tell us what an intuitive is and if there is or what is the difference? Right. Thanks, Cynthia. So years and years ago, I guess about almost 30 years ago now, when I was embarking into this field, my my desire had been to go into working with humans, but everything came, (laughs) got turned around and I ended up working with animals, um, which was my divine mission. And I didn't feel that animal communication for me or being an animal communicator was encompassed everything that I do. Because I like to think of the work I do as telepathic interspecies communication, which is what most people refer to as animal communication. Uh, And then there's also the, um, like, I receive a lot of information psychically, intuitively. I receive information from my guides and healing team and the animals guides and healing team. And then I also do a lot of healing work. So I actually thought the word animal intuitive summed it up, you know, in the best way I could I could, you know, think of at the time. And I've always called myself that ever since. Well, in reading your book, Bark, Nay, Meow, uh, I understood that you started your career in real estate. 
And then it was um, it was a horse that really awakened your powers. Why don't you tell us one of the stories? Right. So my first horse, Jasmine, that was even before I got into real estate, but my first horse, Jasmine, was the one who sort of began, I, I believe he's the one who taught me how to be psychic, really, spending so much time with her and riding and um, all of that. And then there was another horse, Lucero, that is probably the most profound being in my life. And I went to a training and had we were doing distance communication work, practicing, you know, as new students. And I had forgotten to bring a picture of my beloved Jigs, my golden retriever at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd forgotten to bring his photograph, which was absolutely crazy. Um, and, uh, and everyone was trading photos. So the teacher gave me a stack of photos and I went through it and picked out this horse and it was Lucero. He's an Andalusian stallion. He's since crossed over. He sounds over. absolutely gorgeous he too is, when you write is. about him. Yeah, he is. He's, he's a beautiful soul. He's since crossed over, but I call him an ascended master of the equine realm. And in that class, it's like his energy just jumped off the photograph and he just started channeling information and all kinds of insights through me it was like drinking from a fire hose and it was kind of like it just blew me wide open it was my aha moment and life was never the same again after that day it was very transformative you know I find it so interesting that you talk about how uh, Lucero is no longer in the physical world, but you still communicate with him. Um, describe that. Describe how the communications arrive. Is it is it kind of pictures in your head? Is it thoughts? Um, how do you know it's uh, it's Lucero? Well, so I believe that um, you know that no no the, no being ends with the ending of their physical body. I believe that their essence lives on. So just like I would communicate with him in this physical realm, he can communicate with me the same way from the spirit realm. So basically, it's like. Um, it can be pictures, it can be um, words, it can be impressions, feelings, knowings, um, it can be almost any, it could be a color, it could be a symbol, it could be a, a smell, it's almost like anything that you can imagine feeling with your senses or hearing, like, you know, seeing, hearing, feeling, or knowing, it can come in any of those forms. So, you know, when I specifically ask you know, to communicate with him, I can just feel his presence. Like, it's like he just, it's almost like he just zooms in in front of me, like teleports right in front of me when I do it. And that's the feeling I get energetically. You know, that sounds so fascinating. And I mean, did you, when the first started happening, did you think that your mind was playing games or did you just immediately accept that this was a communication? You know, initially, I think I was already doing it before I really even knew what it was or that it existed. And then, you know, I never really gave it deep thought. But then when I actually went and took a training in this, I'd been developing my intuitive psychic skills and, do, you know, taking all kinds of training at that point in time, including as a spiritual psychotherapist. So I had already had some experience with, you know, the talking to the invisible realm, basically, and when he came through, for, I, I don't know, I think it was so clear the first time that he came through that I didn't even question it. It was like there was no other possibility in my head. So um, he, was, he was the one, though, to really break the ice for me. And, you know, again, um, you write about, you have your own stories in the book, but you also share stories from some of your clients. And one of the stories called Healers and Fur 
the question that you ask is, can your dog detect cancer? And I thought this is, you know, this really is fascinating because we hear stories all the time of our animals and how they save us from ourselves or from fires or from drowning, but also how so many of them are able to detect disease. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, years and years ago, like probably more at the beginning of my career in the 90s, I worked with um, with a dog, a Doberman named, uh, with, well, for a woman. I did consultations for a woman, and these were all distance consultations on the phone. And um, she told me that she had um, moles and that, um, sh- that her Doberman, Lola, was paying extreme attention to one particular mole, sniffing, sniffing, like constantly at it kind of not not biting it or licking it but just you know wouldn't let let it go and so she went to the dermatologist because she was prone to these moles and you know getting them all over her that was just her her makeup and the dermatologist she said you know I really specifically want you to check this one out and the dermatologist said oh that is one that we have to look into and did a biopsy and it was later um proven to be cancerous through the through the biopsy and um she actually, whenever her dog, re, you know, she had it removed and all that successfully, but whenever her dog would, um, you know, check out a specific mole and really, you know, bring bring her attention to that mole, she would go to the doctor. And I mean, she never told her dermatologist how she knew which ones were the ones Why to look she was at. doing it, right. Because, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, some people might think you're crazy, right? But, but yeah. I think it, I mean, that seems, I mean, I, I've read and heard about other animals um, like sniffing for diabetes or, you know, that there's, that you can even train um, dogs and cats to do things like that. Yeah. And some come, come by it naturally. Lola, you know, just came by this naturally. naturally. And, you know, the interesting thing is once Lola crossed over and was in the spirit realm, she still had consultations with me where we would talk to the spirit of Lola and Lola would still be able to do that from the spirit realm through me. And she would go and sure enough, the one that mole, she would point to a mole and I would ask Lola, Lola from the spirit realm about the mole she was talking about and she was able to do it. It was, it was really uncanny. And, and, um, you know, that part's more uncanny even than the physical realm, but yeah. Well, tell us how that works when you are doing this distance consultations and especially when the animal is in the spirit world. So how does that, how does that work? You know, I find it not really very different. And so what I do is I get myself prepared, which is meaning grounding myself, centering myself. You know, I make sure I'm well hydrated. I go through a whole procedure that I teach students right in this book. Every every um, chapter has an exercise at the end of it that basically compiles uh, a training, you know, so even after the book's finished, readers can go back and go through all these steps themselves. But it's all of these steps that I go through. Um, and I, you know, I quiet my mind. I, you know, you have to get yourself into a peaceful place. You have to be quiet. You have to be receptive um, and all of that. And then I ask the animal to, to come and talk to me. You know, I call their name out three times and I say, you know, I'd like to speak to them. And whether they're on the physical plane or the spirit realm, it's really not much difference. I, I mean, I, I really feel like it's the same thing. And like, because I said, all it's the essence, it's the soul that we're connecting with. And they come through and it's, it's phenomenal what animals have told me. I mean, another animal who was having health issues and, and they, she'd been for tons and tons of tests that were at this point inconclusive, told me first thing out of her mouth, it's my duodenum. Mm-hmm. And I know some people say duodenum, but 
That was how well, I, I, I know exactly. <laughs> what I say yeah. duodenum as well. Yeah. Do yeah. That's how I was trained to say it. And, and yeah. I mean, I, I took a training. I know nothing about anatomy and physiology, but I'd heard the word before in a training I'd taken. So, and, you know, I was like, you know, but tell me more, tell me more. And she just kept saying, it's my duodenum. And she had a very meek, mild voice, but she was very insistent. And, you know, she went back and had an endoscopy um, a couple weeks later at the at the um, specialist office. And sure enough, it was a duodenum. She had a bacteria there that usually only humans get. And, and once they figured that out, they were able to heal her. And she was a two-year-old dog who was refusing to eat and was withering away to nothing. You know, it's, it is just amazing um, that you're able to communicate in that way and to actually see it, feel it, and uh, be able to, um, like, relay the messages even if the animal isn't there. So, for example, with the example of Lucero, uh, Lucero wasn't in the place where you were when you forgot the picture, right? Right. Correct. And so you just looked at the picture of Lucero and Lucero came through and uh, gave the answer that you were looking for. And this was in my first training program that I ever took. You know, I was the student and it was the first program I'd ever gone to. And so we had done some in-person. It was at a horse farm. We had done lots of in-person with the animals there. And then this was our part where we were learning to do it over distance. And I mean, this is back in like maybe the yeah like the like 1990 roughly or something like that and you know it was it was my first training and every it's like the dam broke you know it was like just like like I said it was incredible do you um you know uh, throughout your book um and if you're just joining us we are speaking with Lynn McKenzie her book is Bark, Nay and Meow and she is an animal intuitive but you, throughout it, you talk um, about uh, the red-tailed hawks. Now, where I am, we have um, so many red-tailed hawks. <laughs> and these red-tailed hawks are circling all the time. And I had really never read anything that they were bringing messages. Now, I don't know if these at my house are bringing messages, but they're here all the time. <laughs> so tell us about the red-tailed hawk. There was one story in there about the animal who had to be put down, which was so sad. I, that's always so sad to me. And um, just at the moment of getting the injection, the red-tailed hawk flew past, and it was like the spirit of the animal went up into the red-tailed hawk. So what is the meaning of the red-tailed hawk? So red-tailed hawks, you know, I mean, our animal companions that come through from the spirit realm, uh, or I mean, animals that that come through to us with messages. I don't mean from the spirit realm, because clearly that one's in the physical presence. But when animals come to us, there's always some kind of medicine or meaning or message. If we take the time, I mean, if we notice that animal, I'm not saying every animal out there has a message for you at all times, or you'd be pretty busy. But if (laughs) if you really notice an animal, it'd be like being at a busy conference. But if you notice an animal and you really spot it, there's you there's always some kind of message for you and you know I noticed that in my life and in my stories the red-tailed hawk had really um you know had really been a theme and interestingly enough many of the stories that I write about clients contained red-tailed hawk and at it was like I was in this cerebral point of trying to um get my um 
my book, my book edits done and it's a ton of work. And I, you know, I was, I wasn't paying attention. And there was this, these two red tailed hawks that were circling, circling, circling. And finally I looked at them because they stayed so long and it was unusual. I, you know, I live looking at some nature and, um, Mm -hmm. anyhow, this hawk basically came to really worm its way into my book number one and to and and the red-tailed hawk is all about raising our consciousness helping to um awaken us to our psychic intuitive abilities and to look at things in, in in a different way and connect more with all living things and it was like this message was right there and it was like a bunk over the head with a two by four you know and so um, the red hawk your spirit animal well, certainly one of them, one of you them? know, I mean, I, believe, I guess you can have yes. several, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe we absolutely do. And absolutely one of mine for sure. And one that wouldn't be ignored in this book. This, this, no, this, it's, it's this throughout your book. book. You have the red tail yeah. hawk throughout your book. And this is why I really needed to ask you about the red tail hawk. Because I really, you know, again, um, I see them literally daily. I think we have some, you know, wind swirls that they just love to float on. But one of my, I, every morning when I'm meditating, and I also, I always meditate outside, I love to watch them play and, and dash and just, I don't know, they're just amazing, amazing, amazing creatures to watch. So, yeah, uh, they, they lead us towards our soul purposes, you know, and that is what this book is really about and awakening mm-hmm. us to our, our fullest potential. Well, that's what I wanted to get to here because part of everything that you have in your book, you have a story, which is a true story, either about an animal that has inspired you or one of your clients. Then there's the lesson that we can learn from what you have written, whether it be in dream form or whatever. And then you have reflections and then, as you said earlier, an exercise and how to bring that message into your own life. So reflecting on how an animal can direct us to our own soul purpose what are we as humans looking for and how what is the best way for us to do it i mean you've already said we have to keep quiet you you know be in a quiet place breathe etc but could you give us kind of a scenario of how we could a person could find their true purpose through an animal communication Right. So the first thing I I think is an awareness, having an awareness that it's possible, having seen, heard, read, watched, experienced some, you know, some real life experience is of it. Because I honestly believe that once we know it's possible, it's easier for us to uh, create that in our life. And then, you know, learning to tune in, to commune, to communicate. You don't even have to be a communicator, but really learning to commune with the animals and become one with them. Because I believe the animals are the keepers of our soul's divine missions or the highest versions of ourselves. And in paying attention to that, it's really all about paying attention and being receptive to this information. Um, Sometimes, though, it's easier in hindsight to look back and see it. But once we've actually... um, brought this into our awareness and accepted it and understood it and and started to seek it out, I really believe that it comes to us. And, and that's why I felt so um, drawn to write this book, because I felt like it would give people the opportunity to start opening to that and, and bringing that in for themselves. 
Well, you've consulted with over 100,000 clients now in your past three decades of practice. Uh, Have you found a a theme about the person or persons of how they find you or how they come to you? Is it usually word of mouth? Are they Googling animal intuitive? Um, What kind of person usually is seeking your advice? You know, you know, at the very, for, for many, many years, it was mainly, um, it was mainly word of mouth. I mean, I did a lot of promoting, uh, um, you know, over the years, but people generally came to me from word of mouth. And I actually had a conversation with Lucero, the Andalusian stallion we talked about earlier and said, you know, why is it like certain people would just come to me and they would, they would like email me and say, I read your website and I was in tears because there used lots of stories and different things on my older website. I mean, there still is, but they're more video now and stuff. And they would just say, I knew I had to come to you. And Lucero basically um, informed me that everybody that is drawn knows that that I'm for them or that we are for them because I think of me and the collective, um, you know, of my healing team because they are part of our soul group. It's really part of Lucero's soul group. And it's really the energy of my, my team and my guides on the spirit realm, on the invisible realm that attract the people that come to me for that. And, you know, now I, I mostly focus my energy on um, training others and that kind of thing. I still do some consults, but I do a lot of focus on training and writing. And I feel like it's a bigger mission for me to be doing that now. Well, and that's why you've written your book in such a manner that you're actually giving people step-by-step uh, directions through the lesson, the reflections, and the exercise to open up their hearts and their inspiration and to find what it is that they are looking for. Because I do believe that we are all completely connected, um, you know, that everyone is connected and that the animals and the rocks and nature and flowers, you know, we, we all have life. We're all life beings. So I imagine in what you're doing, you have uh, human spirit guides as well as animal spirit guides and probably even nature guides too. Oh, yes, 100%. You know, you can actually talk to plants and trees and flowers the same way you do animal communication. Some of my friends who know I'm not the greenest thumb might laugh at that, but it's probably more due to the fact that I'm really busy. <laughs> but yeah, yes, or you're we, just, you know what, it's not your priority. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, like I just, I, I really love being in nature and gardening and working with my animals. And so I talk to them. I'm just, I'm always talking to them. <laughs> they yes. seem, everybody, everybody seems to be happy. But, you know, why don't you give a couple of tips? Because you actually talk about having to euthanize a very special pet and how difficult it is. However, it sometimes this is the best thing for the animal. How do you counsel people or how can someone know when it's time? Um, I mean, I've had some experience of myself actually with a baby deer that I raised when it was her time, but I'd love you to share your expertise on that because that's, you know, end of, of life as we know it, even though you might go to the spirit realm is a, is difficult for Uh us as humans. 
Well, Jig, yeah, when, in 2007, um, I euthanized my golden retriever, Jigs, and he was, mm-hmm. he was my catalyst to get into this work, which led me to the workshop where I met Lucero, and I talk all about him in the book, but yes. euthanizing him was like heart-wrenching. It was just him and I. He was my only family living with me. I was in British Columbia at the time. I didn't even have another family member in the province. The rest of my family was across the country, and, you know, he told me he let me know and when you tune in with them enough they will tell you and they will tell you if they want to go on their own or if they need assistance and his going on his own would have been a rough go because he couldn't breathe Mm -hmm. you know he he had um, laryngeal paralysis and it was just he was 14 and a half which was a great age which is a great age he lived a long happy life but I didn't really want him to go but what was amazing about it is Um, And it was painful, of course. I mean, after he was euthanized, I had a physical pain in my heart. I didn't even know that that was possible. But, you know, we were so connected that even that night, he, you know, he was talking to me in the night and, you know, over the next days. And and I made my journey after he passed down to Arizona for the winter. And, I mean, he was with me on that journey and he he gave me some signs and synchronicities through through changing electrical light fixtures in two different houses that I was in, the one in British (laughs) Columbia and the one down in Arizona, like two lights out of five light bulbs flashing off and on. kinds of different things but I will say because I was actively doing this work that um, it was like it made it a little bit easier for me it made it bearable and you know and I I'm really able to help others when they go through that one of the things that I hear the most is that people um, people say that they feel such a deep sense of peace after they mm-hmm. Um, connect with me uh, regarding their animals and that's I mean uh, that's a huge gift to give because I know how traumatic it can be for well, people. something that you say in bark nay and meow is that when you communicate animals after they have passed that they share that their transitioning to the spirit realm was really easy and a wonderful feeling you know they were now freed of pain they were soaring like an eagle. Um, they felt joy and that they always wanted to tell their people that they had been with that they're okay and that death was not negative. It was nothing to fear, kind of just like birth. It's natural and inevitable. So I thought that was a very um, that was a very reassuring kind of message because it is so hard. Um, uh, you know, I've I've had animals that I've cherished for a long time who have became ill. And it's like I talk to them and I'll say, I'll actually, you know, is this your time to go? And I get these in these intuitive feelings of either yes or no or not right now. And I had one experience where I was going on a vacation and I had to have a friend come and take care of my animals. And the animal actually said goodbye to me before I, I mean, I felt, you know, I didn't hear it, but looked me in the eyes and it was like, I felt that when I leave, this animal is going to die. Not because I'm leaving, but because she doesn't want me to experience her death. Yes. Make me sad. And I felt it so, so strongly. I can't even tell you. I mean, and I was like, and I actually said words out loud and my kids were with me. I was like, no, no, please. I I have you in really good hands. I've got a really caring person that's going to be here. You know, I want to see you when you get back. 
And she kept saying, you know, this, this is goodbye. This is goodbye. And I want you to have a great time, blah, blah, blah. It was just weird. And I thought, what's the, why am I here? What, what's happening? And sure enough, when we came back, she had, um, she had died. So that's more common than, you know, is I've, it had, really? I've had many situations where that's happened to clients of mine. Yes. It's so it was fascinating. It's just so fascinating. Well, um, your book is really, uh, speaking of fascinating, it's very eye opening. And as you have, um, have spoken here, it is transformational because um, animals have power and they are our partners and our guides and we can learn so much from them. Let's give out your website. The book is Bark, Nay, Meow. The author is Lynn McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. And her website is her name, lynnmckenzie.com. You can also find her on facebook.com. And that's under Animal Alchemy, uh, Lynn McKenzie. She's on Instagram with Animal Alchemy 333. And um, if you just go to her website, you'll find all this. On YouTube, she has videos, Animal Energy Healing. So, Lynn, thank you so much for sharing these blessings of the animal kingdom. And may you continue to inspire others to um, share their communication with our furred, finned, and feathered friends and family members. Thank you so much, Cynthia. It's been a pleasure. It's been wonderful. Well, thank you for listening. I will be back in a bit. This is Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. And we have a business bite coming right up. So don't go away. Be the star you The star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. Change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites, here's Cynthia Bryan. Are you Stumped when it's time to buy a coworker or an employee an appropriate gift for a special day or holiday? If you do a little homework, gift giving can become an important tool to enhancing your business relationship. A couple of things that may help is to choose gifts that will remind the recipient of your friendship. Consider the passions and interests of the person by listening to what they like or find clues by peeking at their office space. Some gifts are always useful, such as photo frames, books, glassware, special teas or coffees, even wine or spirits. It's important not to overspend on a business gift and to be appropriate in your choices of items. It can be very helpful to shop at a department store that offers a personal shopper or do your research online. Express your price range, ages, personal preferences of the proposed recipients, and then save those purchases for the right occasion. A special gift says, I care about you. It's worth taking the time to invest in your alliances. And don't forget your mom. Mother's Day is this week, and every mom deserves to be recognized. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I.com. Be the star you 
star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is Well, we're back, and we're going to go back into nature. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I am known as the goddess gardener because I just love being anywhere in nature, outside, in gardens, and, of course, in the barnyard. I love being with my animals. In fact, I am going to be adopting six more chickens this week, Buff Orpingtons, that need a new home, and I can't wait, so I'll tell you how it goes next week. But this is, um, I think this is such a great idea for kids' gardens, and it came to me from the National Garden Bureau, and it's how to create a storybook garden, because, you know, Be the Star You Are is all about literacy and and increasing literacy, so to encourage the love of reading and gardening with our favorite little people, we could pair perfect books with great outdoor adventures. So it's really easy to design and plant a creative play space based on a beloved children's storybook. From how-to books for preschool set to stories about, you know, naughty but adored animals to mysterious magical creatures or enchanting herbs, you and your kids can learn to love turning a favorite story into a fabulous outdoor play space. So I I really love this idea. So creating a storybook garden can be as simple as designing a garden around the plants in one of your favorite storybooks. For example, if you love the book Priscilla and the Hollyhocks, you can read this book with your kids in life and then go out and plant a hollyhock garden. Now, I have a hollyhock garden, so I think that would be a good one to read to kids. And then you could trim the flowers to make hollyhock dolls or talk about the importance of seed saving and uh, and touchstones. But the important thing about creating a storybook garden is to involve your kids. You want to read a variety of storybooks with them and then allow them to choose their favorite one to bring to life in your own backyard. So here are a few favorite storybooks that might get you started and could make the perfect foundation for hours of outdoor fun. Now, Um, The Peter Rabbit Garden. Now, who doesn't love Beatrix Potter's The Tale of Peter Rabbit? First, he ate some lettuces and some French beans. Then he ate some radishes. And then feeling rather sick, 
he went to look for some parsley. <laughs> Naughty Peter. So we must always, um, he always causes trouble. He's always in Mr. McGregor's vegetables and he's always being chased through the garden and hiding in a watering can where he catches cold and then he loses his little blue jacket and he has such bad days. So you could read this with children and create a garden with the lettuces and French beans and the radishes and the parsley, and then perhaps put a little um, rabbit um, statue or something there because it, that will be just fun, a really fun for children. Peter Rabbit is such a mischievous character that children really will connect with him quickly. And his st story is just full of drama and suspense. And that captures their attention. So you could grow some peas, as I said, radishes, carrots, and put them all in your Peter Rabbit garden. And then when the children plant the seeds and nurture the plants, they're going to be excited to try those vegetables because they're Peter Rabbit's vegetables. And then they can create their own naughty adventures with like they're, you know, and pretend like they are a little bunny. So some of the things that you'll need if you're going to create that particular garden is you would need to do um, an upcycled garden gate or a fence because, you know, Peter squeezes under the gate and then he can't find his way out. You'll need a wheelbarrow where M Peter peeks at Mr. McGregor. You'll need a watering can where Peter hides. You'll need a rake that's used by Mr. McGregor. You have to have a shed and it could be a small one and it could or it could be you know, something, even a tent where you read uh, Peter uh, Beatrix Pottick's books. Um, you need a trellis for the cucumbers because that's mentioned in the book. You need a blue jacket with brass buttons. Now, Peter abandons it when he gets caught in the bird netting on the black currant bushes. But maybe your kids could have a blue jacket. Two shoes, one lost amongst the cabbages and one lost in the potatoes. You need a teacup and a teaspoon for the dose of chamomile tea that Mrs. Rabbit gives Peter when he's safely home in bed. And then the plants, again, would be lettuce, radishes, French beans, parsley, cabbages, peas, cucumbers, potatoes, onions, a black currant bush, and if you can, um, a gooseberry bush. And as the garden, the garden grows and veggies get ready to harvest, let the kids taste them just in the same way that Peter did, straight from the garden. Hopefully you've done an organic garden. You might just want to give them a spritz of water. But other than that, you know, those veggies are absolutely snack ready. So another one that might be really fun is um, growing a vegetable soup garden. You know that dad say we're going to grow vegetable soup? You know that book, um, Lois Alert's Growing Vegetable Soup. So if you're looking for a perfect way to encourage a love of reading, gardening, and get your kids to eat their veggies and eat their soup, planting a garden based on the book Growing Vegetable Soup is a great way to accomplish your goals. Now to follow the story in your own garden, again, you would collect the tools, the seeds, the plants you need, but you let kids pick out their favorite varieties and do their own garden decor. So um, this is the year of the garden bean, so kids could find a lot of different varieties with interesting names like dragon's tongue or rattlesnake beans and let them dare each other to eat a dragon's tongue or a rattlesnake bean. 
So what you need is um, a sunny garden space, and you have to have rich draining soil, water, you know, because, you know, well-draining soil. And you need a water source. And then the seeds, pretty simple, green beans, peas, corn, zucchini, carrots. And from sprouts, you could put tomatoes, seed potatoes, onions, broccoli, peppers, cabbage. And then just make sure everything's planted in full sun and talk to the kids about how to know when the harvest is going to be ready and then ask them to show you the best places to pick their crops. Um, And once you've harvested your veggies, then make your vegetable soup. And then read the book again with your garden kids and pick your favorite soup recipe. Show them how to use a knife safely and how to slice and dice. And then your sous chefs are going to love creating a true seed-to-garden-to-table meal that they grew themselves. Another fun one is a Harry Potter garden. You know, the Mandrake or the Mandragora is a powerful rester, said Hermione, um, sounding as usual as though she had swallowed the textbook. It used to return to people who have been transfigured or cursed to their original state. And that's J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So you can just go ahead and get started with a Mandrake root, a puff pod Well, you can just make things up, right? Uh, because there's funny things. There's the devil's snare, the gillyweed, etc. And um, the secret to a Harry, Potter, a Harry Potter garden is in the details. So these are just a few of the fun ideas that you can do to make a, a storybook kids garden. And I thank the National Garden Bureau for providing some of these ideas. So go out into the garden with your kids or grandkids and read a book and create a storybook garden. Well, thanks for being great listeners and allowing me into your life. Make sure you're tuned to uh, Express Yourself on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific. That is our teen show. And to Star Style, Be the Star You Are on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific here on the Voice America Network. We are both on the Empowerment Channel. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit CynthiaBryan.com or to uh, make a donation or get involved with Be The Star You Are, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. We want you to see beyond your physical being and know you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And read a book this week because a book is like a garden in your pocket. And the book Bark, Nay, Meow by Lynn McKenzie is like having your animal friends right with you. And you can uh, find out how you can find your animal spirit and how you can communicate with animals. So until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. And most of all, do not forget Mother's Day. Make your mother feel special, your grandmother or other mothers that you know because mothers rock. So happy Mother's Day to all. And again, thank you for joining me. We'll be back next Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific. Ciao for now. Be the star.
star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.